one of my favorite experiences, literally in all of life, is when I get to go with a few of my Mount Hope friends in ministry over the New Year's holiday to Atlanta, Georgia, to what's called the Passion Conference. We attend the Passion Conference. Now, Passion is a gathering of, from all of the world, college-age students, and then um, three old ladies also, whatever, to spend the first three days of the new year worshiping Jesus. We just, uh, uh, the event takes place every year at the football stadium in Atlanta. And every year, every single seat to this conference is sold out. People literally come from all over the world. Um, every nation, every tribe and every tongue is in fact represented there at the Passion Conference. One year, our Mount Hope group befriended a group of college students from Vietnam, and they told us that they literally had saved every penny they could get their hands on for five years in able to fly here to Atlanta and be able to worship Jesus among that crowd. And I think when I go there, it's like the biggest and most diverse crowd I have ever been in. But I want you to understand that it's a crowd of 60, 65,000 kids. Um, I know that because they counted it and they told us how many. And while 65,000 kids might seem like a great cloud of college students, I don't think it's anywhere near the great crowd of worshiping witnesses that we hear about in John's account of the throne room in Revelation 7. And so I want you to quickly get an idea of what 65,000 looks like. Here's a 60-second little snippet from the Passion Conference, if you would bear with me and watch this. You can see looking at that crowd how it was 65,000 kids and three old ladies, right? But whatever. So there are four worship services each day, and they all look like that. They have dynamic preachers. They have incredible musicians. But the crowd, the crowd is worshiping louder than the musicians. And we just remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he calls us to do and to be in this world as we leave that place. And so when I get on the plane for that worship week, I leave behind all of the stress of the world. There's not another thing on my mind. There's no bills on my mind, the deadlines and the pressures and all of the things I have to do. I put them out of my mind. And the only single thing I focus on is the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, it's beautiful and it's freeing. And it reminds me that I am alive, but also that I am alive in him. And it reminds me that I am his. And I love to just close my eyes and see only him. To lift my voice and lift my hands in love and gratitude. I tell you, there is no other feeling 
on it like like it on earth. And I remember during that exact song, I was in that crowd, turning to Lynn Biggis, and I said to her, I could literally do this forever. And Lynn looked at me and she goes, don't worry, you will. And I want to tell you that Lynn was right. Lynn was right because the Apostle John gave us a glimpse into the throne room of God. He gave us a look at heaven and who is there and what is going on. And it is beautiful and it is comforting. And I'm going to read it for you now. Here's what John wrote. He wrote, after this I looked and before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne, worshiping God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And I answered, sir, you know. And he said, they are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, today is All Saints Day. And we are remembering those people who we love who are in heaven. And we're remembering today, not just those who have gone during this year, but every single person who right now is before that throne and yet leaves within us an empty place in our heart. I also want to take us, us to, I want us to take a look today at who exactly are the saints. And my prayer is that you're going to be comforted and that you're going to be encouraged but my prayer is that you're going to be spurred forward into action as well. You know, very often we think of the saints as just being like the pillars of our religion, right? St. Francis and St. Peter, people of the past who've done such great and wonderful and heroic things that they have been canonized by the church and we consider them the saints. Many people tell me that my husband Carl is a saint. <laughs> And I wonder, did he do wonderful and great and heroic things, or are they saying something else when they tell me that? I don't know. Hmm. But the truth is that the scriptures tell us exactly who the saints are. And here's what it says. It says, they have washed their robes 
and made them white in the blood of the lamb. That's who the saints are. So the scriptures are telling us that it's not just the big heroes of our faith that are the saints, but rather the saints are those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus and who have been made clean by his shed blood on the cross. The saints are those who have accepted the great responsibility of being a part of the body of Christ. Those are the saints. And as we look today at the saints whom we love and miss, I want you too to turn inward and prayerfully look at yourself. Because friends, you and I are also the saints. Because we have been made clean by the blood of the Lamb. And I want us to consider and to remember those people in our lives who, before they went to heaven, had a little something to do with telling us about Jesus that we might be the saints that we are today. And so I looked through this scripture that I just read from you for John's account in Revelation, and I found four um, really good points that I think are going to help us to both honor the saints and be the saints that we're called to be. And so first, I want us to know that there was a great multitude. John says that the crowd was so large that it could not be numbered. And I like to think that the 65,000 kids that I showed you a few minutes ago pales in comparison to the crowd that John saw that is there right now. Remember, John wrote that the crowd was made up of all ethnic groups, of all generations of people, all tongues and all languages. And the thing that united all of those people was the worship of God and of the Lamb. And that was a picture that John gave us of the throne room. But friends, I think that's also a picture that God dreams of for us here on this earth. That no matter what tribe or what nation or what tongue or what culture we are from, that we would be united as one body through the shed blood of the Lamb. Sometimes here on earth we focus way too much, I think, on what makes us different. And we allow our differences to separate us when what we should be focusing on is what we have in common. And what we share in common, friends, is Jesus. We share Jesus. And we are united as one body in God's eyes through Jesus. That's what it means to be the church. Would that we could be united as one body in our own eyes and be that great multitude that God dreams we would be. There is a challenge for every Christian in the world today. So there's a great multitude, and it's made up of those who have been washed in the blood. And then there's a great celebration. John describes the crowd as wearing white robes, and the Greek word he used here was stolas. Stolas, which means a long robe that was meant for a celebration. So we know this is a great celebration. I want you to remember also that the color white symbolizes purity and righteousness. The saints have been pure and made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. And John says they're waving palm branches, another symbol of celebration. So this innumerable crowd of saints is all dressed up and they're waving palm branches before the throne. And they are singing the praise of who sits on it, him who sits on it. And the singing the praise of the lamb who enabled them to be pure and righteous enough to get there in the first place. It is a great celebration. 
And all the saints are doing it continuously. Continuously. Remember how I said to Lynn Biggis, oh, I could worship God like this forever. And she reminded me that I would. This scene right here is why I know that she's exactly right. It should also give us great comfort to understand that the people who you and I are grieving, they are not grieving. They are not grieving. They are celebrating in a great celebration. They are about the business of worship. They are celebrating the Savior who has enabled them to be there. In early 2015, 2015, we lost my dad suddenly. And often my mom will ask me if I think my dad is okay where he is. It's hard to put your mind to where they are when we can't see them anymore. And she'll say, do you think your dad is okay? And I'll say to her mom, he's better than okay. Because he's in the throne room. Dad's in the throne room and he is worshiping. And he is celebrating the lamb. And he's being celebrated by the lamb for all that he did while he was here on this earth with us. And friends, I fully understand that there is not one single person in this house today who has not lost someone that their heart literally hurts for. But let your heart be comforted. Because your loved ones right at this moment are attending the biggest and the best celebration. They are worshiping and singing and waving. And the Bible tells us that they are feasting at the table of the Lamb of God. And it is all wonderful. But even better, friends, than the singing and the waving and the feasting at the table really the best thing about heaven, the greatest thing to celebrate is that Jesus is there. Friends, Jesus is there. Our Lord Jesus is there. You know, as a little girl, on Christmas Eve, I always had a hard time sleeping, right? And I would wake up maybe, I don't know, four or five in the morning because I was half awake anyway, and I would tiptoe downstairs just to see if Santa had been there. And once Santa had been there and I saw all of those beautiful gifts, I would go up and I'd tap my brother Jeff on the shoulder and I would wake him up because he slept. And I would say, he was here. Santa was here. And then I could go back to bed and I could sleep and I could be at peace because I knew that Santa was here. Friends, in heaven there are wonderful gifts. There's feasting. Let me tell you how much I love to eat. There is feasting, but that pales in comparison to the fact that Jesus is there, okay? There's singing. I love to sing, but that doesn't matter a single bit because Jesus is there. There's nice clothes, and there's celebration, and the Bible says we're all going to get crowns, but none of that matters because Jesus is there. Jesus is there and your loved ones and my loved ones are surrounding him and they are being enrobed by his love. They are so, so, so much better than okay. They're with Jesus. They're part of a great multitude. They're engaged in a great celebration and they are echoing a great message. 
Listen to what John tells us the crowd is saying. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. This great heavenly multitude is marveling about the great message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Salvation that they received and salvation that enables them to be there in the first place. Friends, the message of the gospel is the greatest message of all times. And this great message is being proclaimed in heaven, and it's being proclaimed around all of the world by the saints. What an exciting thought, considering the times that we live in. You know the Bible to this day has been translated into more than 3,850 languages? I didn't even know there were that many languages in all of the world. So people all around the world are being enabled to read the message of salvation that leads to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every day people are being baptized and are Becoming members of the great crowd of saints several years ago, I read an article about the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not much of a sports person, but when I hear that the sports people are pointing to God, then I go ahead and pay attention. And there was a time when the coach of the Eagles was leading devotions with the team. Do you all know this? Right before their practices. And before one of the games in the hotel, in one of their away games, uh, members of the team were baptized all together in the pool. And then they started talking out loud about their love for Jesus and the salvation that they received through him. So these people who had this great platform were using their platform to help other people hear the gospel message. And I thought to myself, well, it's a it's a darn shame that the name Saints is already taken by a football team because these guys right here were living the part these public figures. And guess what? Not only the public figures are called to share the message of, of salvation through Jesus Christ, but all of the saints are called. Everyone, everyone who has been washed in the blood of the lamb is called to share the good news of salvation through that lamb. And what that means, folks, is that you're called. You're called and I'm called. And it ought to be our desire as those who received new life, as those who are looking at the prospect of eternal life in heaven, it ought to be our priority to share that great message with everyone we can. It is, as a matter of fact, a great responsibility. The Bible makes it clear that the message of Christ is to be proclaimed to everyone. Here's what Jesus said. These are the words of our Lord in Matthew 28, 19. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's our job, folks, as the saints, to share the message of the gospel with everyone we meet. And why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we do that? If there's somebody who doesn't understand the love of Jesus Christ and doesn't have the eternal life that he offers, and you care about that person, wouldn't you tell them the great message? Wouldn't you share life with them? Somehow, we conveniently come up with reasons very often, don't we? You know, we worry about being embarrassed or we worry about... Uh, being rejected, or maybe we don't want them to think we're some sort of religious nut, and so we, we bite our tongue. But the truth is, if you think back that once upon a time you did not know Jesus, and somebody told you about him. 
Somebody took the time and took a chance and told you. And because they did, you are now looking at the prospect of eternal life. You're looking at a future that includes being among that great multitude in the throne room of heaven. And there, think about this, in that great crowd, will be the very person who told you about life through Jesus. Who is it that lays on your mind right now? Who told you about Jesus? When I get to heaven, I'm going to look up my granny because she's the one who's most responsible for telling me all about Jesus. And I'm going to give her a great big hug when I see her and I'm going to thank her for showing me to the one who enabled me to be there with her. Friends, who are you going to look for when you get to heaven? Who's the saint that cared enough to share the gospel with you? And here's another question. Don't you want someone in that crowd to be looking for you for the same reason? Wouldn't it be awesome if someone who newly arrived in that throne room looked around and said, right there. That's the one right there who told me about life. That's the one who told me about Jesus. It's a great responsibility. In closing, I want to share with you a passage that reminds us what a great responsibility it is. And these are the words of the writer to the Hebrews. He said, therefore... That's an important word, therefore. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perspector of our faith. That word, therefore, it means look back at what I just said. Right? So the writer to the Hebrews, what he just said before that word, therefore, was an entire list in Hebrews 11. A long list of people who were not afraid at any cost to share the gospel, the message of God with the people around them. And the writer to Hebrews says, look at them. It was hard, but they did it. They are your great crowd of witnesses. Look back at them and then look forward to Jesus so that you will not be afraid and so that you will not grow weary. We have a great responsibility to share the message of salvation as they once did. You know, once there was a little boy who went with his dad to church on Sunday and it was a new church that they went to. And as they were sitting in the sanctuary waiting for the services to start, the little boy looked around and he said to dad, who are all these pictures of these people who are in these windows that are so shiny? And his dad said, well, those are all the saints. And he said, yeah, but who are they? And why are there pictures in the windows? And the dad thought about it. He's like, but I don't really know. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see if the preacher tells us. And as he sat there, that little boy thought for a while. And then he leaned over about mid-service and he said, dad, I know who they are. They're the people the light shines through. Friends, the saints are those who have been washed in the blood, who have been made clean, who have been made righteous, and who have been given new and eternal life, who have been given a great responsibility of letting the light so shine through them that they would see their good deeds and praise their Father in heaven. Today, 
We honor those saints who have gone on before us, and we are grateful for all they have done, and we rejoice this day that they are worshiping and feasting in the throne room. But let us not forget that we are also the saints. You are the saints. You are part of a great multitude. You are headed for a great celebration. You have got a great message to deliver, and you have a great responsibility to share it. And so I encourage you, don't just sit there. Go be the saints. Amen. <laughs>